0: Hello, Life Uplifters! I'm Astuti Marto Sudirjo. Welcome to Uplift My Life Today, the podcast where you can find inspirations and tips to uplift you and your life. Intentional living is certainly rewarding, it is, but it is also often easier said than done. Just because we have the intention, the commitment, the desire and the energy to do our best, making decision that is so much aligned with our lives and what we want out of life, it doesn't mean that there are no resistance along the way. I know that. I know that from my own experience, and this is why I value so much any opportunities to exchange notes and experience with others who are doing the same. This episode is the second part of my discussion with Jehan De Souza, a trainee eye surgeon from Perth, Australia, whose past evolution includes nine years. Really, nine years of serving others as a monk in multiple continents. Here, Jehan is reflecting the wisdoms and the gifts he's gained in his journey as a monk and how he continues to bring them forward into his life today as a father, a husband, a son, a brother, and a surgeon enjoy now being a surgeon I can imagine is a very high stress high pressure environment that is happening on a daily basis right or we are living in a, in a time where everything is so quick there's overload of information people are moving around a lot there's a lot more stress and a different stress than you and I knew in the 90s so it offers different kind of environment and challenges compared to your time when you were in Sweden so my experience is the act of meditating in the morning it will help me throughout the day but at some point there are days when I could be feeling completely out of center (laughs) in a meeting something upset me and I go oh on um, off balance again. What can we do first of all to be much more present, so that we respond better in the environment that we're in? I'm not expecting 100% perfection on this, <laughs> but I do want to experience it more often than not. Uh, mm-hmm. On a basis, right?
1: Yes.
2: Yes, certainly. So we're in. I mean, we're in challenging times. where We're connected 100% of the time. We're responding 100% of the time. You know, we, we work in pressured environments. I work in a very, very pressured environment. And I know that you've been working, if not now, in, in the recent past also in, in, a, in a very demanding role. And I think meditation for me has really helped me in the sense that it's, it doesn't mean that I'm – I definitely don't feel that I – have mastered any environment that I work in now. For example, I work in a public hospital. I work in a tertiary trauma center. I work in a place where there's chaos. So it's a continual challenge. And I want to say that up front, that it's, it doesn't mean that, you know, I spent so many years in a monastery and and now I'm the master. I think it's a continual challenge. And, and I think that's what's interesting about it, that it's not just about sealing myself off somewhere in, you know, in a peaceful place and going, you know what, the world is out there and I'm here on my, on my mountain. No, it's not. It's really about taking that strength of meditation and being able to apply it in a dynamic way day to day. And what I find is the practice of meditation, if you sit, if you could sit in meditation for 10 minutes, for 20 minutes, for one hour, however long, every day. That grounds you in a sense of your deepest self. It grounds you in a sense of connectedness. And from therein, that becomes a base with which you face and take in and respond to everything that happens around you. So if you could sit in meditation in the morning and then face your your very busy day your several demands the things that you've got to do but you're facing them from this point of clarity from this point of being centered in yourself where you can say look i know there's a a lot going on here but i'm going to respond to these things in this way i'm going to choose how i how i approach things i'm not going to just be there's there'll always be moments where we're owned by the situation, you know, where where we, we, we really, things are just too much. We're just in the flow and we lose our balance. And that's a point where we can later on step back from and say, well, how could I have approached that better? How could I have been in a better place to deal with that? And it's really, I think, about the The centeredness of meditation is not just the sitting in meditation. It's the whole process of life, of living. So we're becoming more centered and we're grounding ourselves in that when we sit in meditation. But the overall goal is that the whole, our whole existence, our whole expression is actually a kind of meditation because we're coming to it from this centered, aware place. Now, that's something to work at. And that's something I'm working at. Something you know we can all work at, but it's definitely worthwhile, and it's definitely something that the more we work at, the more we can feel the benefit of, and the more we can feel. Look, I've actually got more energy to deal with the situation because it's not draining me. You know, thinking in thinking in a in a negative way is not draining me, or um, not being able to prioritize between the things I've got going on in a moment is not draining me. It's more like I'm responding, I'm acting, I'm thinking, and I'm able to make uh, choices that are good for me and good for others. It's having that clarity, and I think that's something that is really a kind of byproduct, if you will, of meditation because ultimately it's not the goal of meditation. The goal of meditation lies far beyond that, but, but essentially it's something that when we develop ourselves we feel is uh, is you know a really rich quality that we can bring to daily life.
0: What you're saying, making so many choices every day, with clarity of what you're making choices for. I didn't have that kind of full awareness until I had the burnout. Because then, when you when you kind of <laughs> start from ground zero, you started to think, okay, what happened at the end is just me making choices. At the end of the day, nobody forced a gun on my head to say do this. Nobody did that to me. Then I realized I didn't always know bottom line what I should be choosing for. And in that very contrasting situation, I realized actually when I was depleted of energy, that was what happened in burnout, then it became really clear. Everything that I do, everything, everything that I would go for, everything that I would choose for needs to help me to gain more energy, not at the cost of anybody else's energy, but it's just for, to make sure that I have enough energy or more than enough energy. It became very clear. And then I start to understand this is how it should be every day. I need to make sure that there's an intent that I put out every day, what the day is going to be about and remember that as much as possible, never hundred percent made it. I always have moments go, uh, uh, not, uh, not uh, really alignment with that choice, but okay, let's go back again and do another attempt. And I think this is what I understand for what you just said, be clear in the intent, be consistent in choosing. And in order to get that clarity, one of the ways to get there is, is to, to be connected to yourself and meditation
2: helps that. Is that right? Definitely. So, I mean, burnout's a great example because, in a sense, losing all your energy has allowed you to get the insight of what that energy means to you, and and, and brought you the awareness of what you want to be doing with it. Yeah. And it's in, you know sometimes we need to kind of lose things to understand their value, and that and you know starting from that ground zero, is given you the opportunity now to say well. How do I want to be? This is not how I want to be. You know, <laughs> this is not where I want to be coming from. So, it is about that clarity. And the only thing I'd—I think you've really—you've hit the nail on the head the way you've described it. The only thing I'd add to it is that yes, coming from our highest and our most informed, clear and centered self, if we take decisions from that place, it doesn't mean that obstacles at difficult things, that things won't go exactly how we expect. But mm. it means that we've taken the very best choice we can in every moment. And ultimately that's what we want to be doing. We don't want to be controlling everything. But actually we want to be choosing the very best we can in every moment. And to make that choice, we really need the awareness. You know, yeah. we need the awareness. I
0: also noticed I had this habit uh, before the burnout. When I made the wrong move, I was so harsh on myself. And then I realized, as I was recovering from burnout, just the, just being hard on myself is actually depleting energy. So it's a double depletion. The energy is being taken two times or three times more than what it was. You know what I'm saying? So yes. Judging self of like, oh no, I lost my center again. Instead of dwelling on it and like telling myself what the hell did you do, why are you making the same mistake again? Instead, you just go, okay, that was not a very nice move. Okay, let's try again without losing more energy.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Look, that's that's a fantastic example. It's you know, what is my inner voice doing for me? Is it picking me up? Is it making me strong? Is it encouraging me, or is it kind of pulling me down and? creating negativity and draining me with its criticism. I had a really fantastic interaction a couple of years ago with someone who told me, what's your inner coach saying to you? (laughs) Imagine that you're just a small child and you've got to look after that child. Now, what are you going to say to help that child to grow, to help that child to flourish? And that really reframed it for me and made me think, what am I saying to myself internally? And I'd spend a lot of time thinking about that and I'd spend a lot of time observing it, but I thought this kind of metaphor of, yeah. of a coach and a, and a small child really changed it for me because I thought, well, I'd never say anything harsh to a small child.
1: Yes.
2: You know, I'd always encourage them. I'd always treat them with love. I'd always be positive for them
1: yeah.
2: if I had the choice. okay. Yes. So that awareness is bringing us the opportunity to make the choice. Otherwise, yeah, those patterns just play themselves out. They're set a very long time ago and they just they're on auto play. Yeah. The response, the putting yourself down, the saying that's not yeah. good enough or why why aren't you so? Yeah.
0: Having my nephew Leo in my life, I've been mirroring a lot because as you said, this is a very good metaphor because one of the things that I learned through the coming back from burnout, the last step and the most difficult for me was forgiving myself because I knew at the end of the day, yes, the environment around me was a catalyst for that, but I was the one who made the call about what I was doing and how I was responding and reacting in the situation. When I saw Leo, I'm so forgiving to him. it's okay it's okay and no no grudges nothing and but that was something that I had to learn in a really hard way really forgiving myself quickly I think for me personally forgiving myself is one of my the biggest gift of this burnout situation yeah I would never hold a grudge towards uh, a child Mm, mm. (laughs) so I become much kinder
1: much much kinder yeah
2: yeah you want to grow and you want to allow yourself to grow in that same way. And ultimately we're all just children on some level, aren't we? We're, we're, we think about, we're becoming more and more sophisticated in our expressions, but ultimately we're all growing. And if we think, I think if we think of ourselves like, like that child who's, got, who's growing and delighting and loving and expressing, that's a very, very positive way to conceive of, of oneself. And in the same, the whole idea of how we tell ourselves a story internally yeah. I think is a really interesting idea and it's an, an idea I'm, I'm interested to explore more because yeah. I think that um, it's, a re- it's an area that's really rich with, with opportunity yeah. in terms of, of getting more out of ourselves and, and of getting the best out of ourselves and of being the best we can be yeah. um, and being the happiest we can be as well.
0: Looking back, what has been the greatest lessons for you from that chapter of your life as a monk for nine years in several continents?
2: Yes, I think the greatest lesson, well, there's been a lot of lessons, but I think probably the the most important lesson for me has actually been something very, very internal. And it's been a complete uh, shift in my internal position, in my perspective, if you will, about Mm -hmm. how I look at things. And that was something that I didn't really set out to have as a goal. It was something that kind of, with all this internal work, I kind of transpired, you know, I didn't really Mm -hmm. realise my own internal biases I didn't really realize how deeply the way I interpreted and saw things both internally and externally was colored if you like by Mm -hmm. my own kind of personality and the and and the way that I had kind of grown up looking at the world Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I think you know ultimately that's a kind of base point which we use to – a reference point which we use to understand everything. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: I think for me, the most valuable thing that I've gained is actually a change, a change in that reference point, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: a change in the reference point that I use to understand myself Mm -hmm. And a change in the reference point that I use to understand the whole world.
0: Yeah. Is it adequate to say that what you experience is you managed to reach to a place within yourself to understand the kind of assumptions that exist or in there that impacted the way you look at yourself, the way you look at others, the way you look at life? including your connections with the world, right? And yes. what you you are able to do is to understand what the existing things there, and then you review them, and then you revise them.
2: Yes, and I think you've summed it up really well. And they're kind of like layers of psyche, if you like, that have yeah. almost peeled off. And yeah. um, I think in the beginning, I kind of wasn't even aware they were there. There were things yeah. that are just... Yeah been there since from the way I was, raised, I was raised and the education that I had and all the experiences that I had kind of led me to this certain mental point. Yeah. Um, and what all of this has done is just kind of pulled off all these layers. And I feel, feel like many of those layers were kind of standing in between me and a really unlimited kind of happiness within myself. I think we yeah. all a kind of reaching for this happiness that's not just for one day, it's something that we really get to a level of feeling very, very satisfied, of feeling a kind of completeness. And I'm still in that process, I know, but I definitely feel that there's been a very large shift in that for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't unshift it. You know, I can't unshift it. It's yep. gone. Once those, once those layers come off, they're gone. Yes. So, yes. Um, yeah, definitely it's really been for me uh, a kind of transformation. I guess in a sense it's been a transformation of, of myself and, yep. um, and, a, and, a, and a growing on many levels, which, you know, I guess you might say, well, that would have happened anyway if you spent, you know, 20 years doing, doesn't matter what you were doing, but I really feel um, this is a very, very almost a transformative kind of experience that I've had over the time And with all the, all the experiences that I had. And as an aside, I can remember a few particular occasions when it was almost like my internal world as I understood it and my external world really came crashing down in a mm-hmm. very severe and dramatic way. The first couple of times that happened, I was really disturbed by it. But can you give the, me
0: give can you share specifically what happened so I can oh, imagine. Oh, um,
2: I can't even remember the exact parameters to tell you the truth. But yeah. to say that what I thought and the way everything that I was doing was kind of based on a certain. Assumption, belief, like, assumption, a belief, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and when those when those things got really crushed, I felt like I was getting crushed too, yes, internally. Yes. You know, I could almost yes. feel it like a, we almost felt like my mind was just getting ground up by this, and it was really a painful experience. But yeah. what I realized is that if I could just look at that kind of cataclysmic internal process and go. This is just for you to get to a new place. And instead of lamenting and, and feeling this pain of, oh, I've lost something, just going, let go of it. And mm. what's new? And where are you at mm. now? Something new could then offer itself within me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. that makes sense. But it uh, makes sense.
0: Yeah. It, it absolutely makes sense. And, it, it, and another question came up, though. You still have that conviction that there's something better or something maybe better is not the right word something more uplifting beyond what you were experiencing when the inner world collapsed or crumbling down you understand what I'm saying
2: yes yes so you've got to go to a deeper level of self so you've got to go to a deeper level within yourself and 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 also acknowledge that yourself is still very much intact
0: yes yes now based on your interaction with people so far and also your own experience, what can help people to remember that there is an uplifting thing waiting for them beyond the crumbles?
2: Yeah, look, that's something I've been asked before. And I think it sort of comes back to this idea, what do we do in a crisis? What mm. comes out of a crisis? And I, there's a beautiful uh, Sanskrit shloka which the meaning of it means obstacles are the helping forces that help to establish us in the goal Mm -hmm. so what i have reorientated myself internally to think previously i used to think oh this this is a trouble it's getting in the way of what I wanted to do, or my fun, or whatever I had planned, is being interrupted by this obstacle. But now I don't. When I see a particular kind of obstacle, I kind of get a little bit excited, and I go, oh, "This is going to be a really interesting struggle." <laughs> this is, this, this That's struggle. a very
0: really good rewarding. <laughs>
2: interesting yeah. Fun yeah. struggle Yeah, this struggle, and it's uh, you know, I mean, they're uh, not all fun. Well, you know, I'd be lying to you if I told you they're all fun, That's because true. they're really by by their nature they will they will test us and and. And no matter how strong you are, like what I said about the muscle, it's almost you've got to be pushed that little bit further in a sense or in a different way, if not further, in a different way to actually grow. But that's what I would say to people is to bear in mind that there is something very positive going to come out of this very difficult situation. There is something extremely positive waiting for you. And that is the point that we need to keep focused on yeah. because once, once we transform our idea about struggle from being something bad that we want to avoid, we want to have this trouble free, problem free life and start thinking whatever struggle I get is actually for me to be able to come become more free, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me to become more free and more happy on a deeper level and for my happiness to be less and less associated with all these trivial things and more and more yeah as a a kind of connected from this from this fountain within myself it's an opportunity for me now i'm not saying it's easy so these are all words and it's always easier said than done but i think that's a fantastic thing to do and then what we need to do then uh, apart from that okay so we that's an that's an attitude and that's an approach but then Beyond that, we need to do all the things that we already know. You know, we need to look after ourselves physically. We need to eat well. We need to exercise. We need to connect with the people and the networks of people who really support us for yes. who we are and love us unconditionally. We need to have those conversations. We need to work at every level. Yeah. So we need to do all those things. That It's not something that kind of negates all the understanding that we've already got. We still need to keep yeah. working on every level.
0: Yeah, this is very interesting, Jen. And this is a very important question for me to ask, right? The one that we are discussing right now, Mm. because I had worked with a number of individuals that I command in terms of their strength to come back. I I had a client where she experienced multiple death of her loved ones within a period of six years. So her child and her parents within a period of six, six years plus her dogs. Okay. And, and this is, it's really challenging. And she was really, it was a challenge. And I understand that to under, to just find the light somehow. Cause it, it feels like the, the inner world keep on crumbling down when she thought it couldn't, it couldn't go even worse. It just went down and down and down. And I think this is not unique to her. I think this is the experience that a lot of us had. Anywhere, and and then talking about belief, belief is something like an assumption that often there's no proof, but we choose to believe it, right? And and I ask myself many times, what are the things that the people who had been in a dire I I, I would I would judge it as a dire situation where every the world seemed to the inner world and outer world seemed to collapse continuously for an extended period of time. And and made it right. Came up and after years of rebuilding life, becoming successful, closer to herself, and all these things. And the people who didn't. And so far, what I found is this belief: this one belief. You just choose to believe that life is beyond the crumbles. There's something bigger. And this is what you're saying, basically. And and I wonder if there is any other things that you could share to people in this kind of situation, in addition to this?
2: Yes. I think the beliefs are very important. The, what we believe and what we think ultimately yes. shapes how, what we perceive, okay? Yes. And, okay. and what we're perceiving is, if, if we're in a crisis situation, if we perceive that we're supported, if we, if we perceive it, if we think it, if we believe it, we can actually find those areas where we're supported, for example. Okay? Yep. If we think I'm completely alone, I don't have anybody, we're more likely, in fact, to isolate ourselves. So in a sense, our beliefs and our thinking is yes. shaping is shaping our reality. Okay? Yes. It's shaping yes. our reality. But I also think it's important that we can substantiate those things. And I think what I mean what I mean by that is, for example, this deeper sense of, of self that I'm asking you and, and the listeners to connect with through meditation, it's not just about belief. Sure, well, you need to take my word for it and practice and give it a go, but ultimately you can feel it. Well, once you can feel something, it becomes easy to believe. Once you yeah. can recognize something for yourself, it's not the belief's actually secondary. It becomes a knowing. Okay, It's not that I yeah. believe it, it's that I know this because... I've experienced it. Um, So that kind of experience, I think, is important. But I I do think that it's, you know, all the kind of inner and outer work that we're doing is very important because ultimately our thoughts are shaping our reality. Okay?
0: Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you for that <laughs> so it's a gift that you get and you didn't expect that compared to the, i,
2: I really no i, I really yeah. didn't expect it to be honest because yeah i think in this realm i really i really didn't know that much when i started out i felt like yeah you know what i i want to do this because i feel it and all about all i could see was another one step ahead i really had no idea what the rewards of that would be but i just yeah. felt like i needed to do it and I was actually surprised at, for example, I had long stints when I was very, very frustrated, even when I was in Argentina. So I, I, when I first went to Argentina, I um, I had to learn to speak Spanish well, and oh, that took God, me a little. Yeah. Time. I was very, very isolated. I was in a difficult situation, living in a, quite a difficult place and a, a tough area of, of Buenos Aires, and. Um, and I really, every time I'd go out from our, from our place, I would get lost. And then I'd have to spend hours of wa- <laughs> walking around <laughs> trying to work out. This was pre-maps on your mobile phone days. So, <laughs> so I'd really, I'd have a really, I'd a really tough time. But I, I thought, you know, I really want to do something here. Yeah. What am I going to do? And then I started to kind of see all these opportunities, which I, which I with my kind of whole ambitious idea to do something, was kind of reaching out for and to start out with we had a, I had a lot of frustration I, I couldn't get them working the you know the, the the legal to create legal entities is was difficult to get projects running in in some parts of Bonasare is also a very political process and I didn't understand that and I didn't understand the language well and so I kind of came <laughs> up with all these kind of frustrations you know that 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 for me was just I just felt like I, what am I doing here? I'm just sitting in this room alone. I want to do all these things and, and and it was a really long process of being very very isolated and feeling like after having worked in a really in really dynamic in a really dynamic roles of yes. feeling like I was doing nothing and I was accomplishing right. nothing. but I didn't realize that that the project that I was working on was also me. <laughs> Yes. the project yes. the project being worked on was also me and and my whole way of for example I'll give you an example so so my my uh, approach to work and to projects was always very very dynamic and like let's go what are we doing what are the objectives how are we going to meet them let's get let's get connected with the people we need to connect with let's get the teams on board, let's get the resources so I was used to working in that way. Yes. But what I didn't realize is I didn't understand a lot of other ways to work. <laughs> yes. I was so much in that modus operandi of getting things done that I didn't understand a lot of other things, other, other ways to work. And I also didn't understand that my approach, I was really a- attached with that approach, actually. I was really kind of centric in that approach. And it was also kind of propping up some other parts of my character and I didn't mm. realize that when those pillars came down, then I got forced to confront these these parts of me which thought which thought about myself as this dynamic, successful person who was gonna make change. Yeah. <laughs> so so it was a really um quite humbling. It was, really powerful, it was a very, very humbling time on a number of levels. And I shed yeah. tears, you know, on a number on a number of occasions just out of frustration. But later on reflecting over this whole kind of experience um, and this is just one of many really I could I could kind of understand you know what I've really learned so much because I I'm not obliged to jump into things in that manner anymore I've Mm. got much deeper understanding of myself and where I'm at and because I'm not forcing this kind of pattern onto things I can mm. recognize other things. Yeah, <laughs> I can see yeah. other things. I can see other opportunities.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm
2: receptive to things mm. on other levels. <laughs> so,
0: yes. So it's like learning and learning, unlearning, learning and learning, learning and learning kind of cycle. Yes, yes.
2: Depending
0: and on yes. situations.
1: Okay. Yeah,
2: and the science of, of yoga and, um,
1: mm.
2: uh, you know, even Tantra, very, a very misunderstood kind of concept, but Tantra essentially means that science of expansion. And the concept, the idea that you'll break something completely and make it again better is mm. almost central. And I felt many times like I'd been just kind of broken down completely mm-hmm. in order that a new structure in myself and a new uh, sense of, of myself could actually perform All and right. do better and, and, you know, in a better way.
0: I get you. I really get you. I think I can relate in a way to that on the macro scale for myself is when I change environment. So country, for example, or companies or uh, set up from being employed to self-employed. I realized when I became a self-employed person, the first three months, everything was obviously uncomfortable, but I went in deeper to understand why did it feel that uncomfortable and i i realized actually a lot of the things that i automatically did or gave as a response to the situation is no longer was no longer valid for the new situation and uh, and i also realized that there was a lot of beliefs that was not activated in in being employed situation that was kind of dormant or not touched as regular, they're being completely, act- they're acting out in the new situation, which yes. then re- require me to kind of like, okay, hold on a second, do the inner you know, work, trying to understand where this is coming from and trying to understand it, number one, and trying to, and then number two, while I understand it, I made the decision, okay, you had served me for a long time and you're no longer serving me, so I'm going to let you go and then I'm going to, Believe something else, kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So th- yes. this is the learning and
2: learning in that my case. New, that new territory was yeah. really, really rich. Was a really rich <laughs> source <laughs> source of learning for you, wasn't it? And it, yeah, uh, and it sort of led you to here in many ways, hasn't it? Yeah,
0: definitely. Because yeah. also, I think in that process, Jen, and I'm still doing that now, years later. I mean, I became self-employed in 2012. And I'm still going through that process because a lot of the, or some of, if not a lot of the beliefs that I was, that as you said, I wasn't conscious it was there running my life until I faced something that triggers it to make it really obvious. And a lot of them is really also generational, huh? It's like cultural and generational. And, and, and as, as soon as I went into that space, then I remember I was really getting, internally upset or you know, even to to the degree judging the decision that my ancestors were doing and all this and it become really there was a, like a, a small battle, not small it's actually a big battle within myself, with myself because the, it's just, with, they're not here anymore but they're still here in me and I think what helped me was really to take time to to face it to understand it and to and this is actually when I learn a lot about compassion, and when I self-compassion is also compassion to the generations be, before me, who actually had passed down a lot of things to me today. You see what I'm saying?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a fantastic reflection, and I think that that point of love and compassion. Um, it's a really deep one, and it, it comes back to that—not only with the self, but with others. And it's almost once you once you could offer that to yourself and accept yourself uh, in a in a manner of love and compassion and understanding, you sort of become really able to offer it to others as well, don't you?
0: Yeah, that's true. That's very okay. true. But mm-hmm. I think I could only feel it as as you said. I think it's a matter of feeling. I think this this talk has been discussed for i don't know hundreds of years right but i think it it starts to shift you when you experience it even just a little bit and then you just go ah oh, there's this place and and you want to be there a lot and uh, and and i started asking myself what is it that's not allowing me to be there not all the time because i find it to be impossible but more reg- more often than not and, and that's when I've, I found all this inner obstacle or inner blockages, which is belief-based, a lot of them. Assumption-based, yes. yeah. Unconscious assumptions. <laughs> this requires another episode. Yeah.
2: <laughs> when I was in the monastery, I remember my trainer saying, you know, you're all, you're all successful people, but yeah. I want you to learn to develop your inner eyes. That's what I'm mm. going to teach you here. And this idea of... Of self knowledge, of being really internally aware, I think that's probably um, one of the greatest things that we can learn in life because it's that kind of understanding stays with us. Yeah, we we can change our jobs and we change our situation, and you know our families grow, and there's a whole lot of things that shift through life. But that understanding. As it is deepening itself, but it's a kind of timeless knowledge in its own right. And Mm -hmm. it holds up, it holds this, it holds up this test of time in my experience that it's still as valuable today for me, uh, those lessons as they were, you know, the day that I kind of turned them over and found out about them.
0: Yeah. Mm did you learn from the people that you serve and support as a monk jehan what was one thing that you learned from that
2: uh, a lot of things i, I learned a lot look I, I learned a lot from working with people from different backgrounds to mine i should say that and yeah. i learned a lot from working you know with people in europe uh with people in south america so people in south america just as a as a general observation i think i worked in argentina and brazil extensively and um, here in australia for example where i where i live now where we're very we're intellectually geared it's rational and the emotions for example in any in a business interaction your emotion doesn't really come into it whereas in in South America, it's very important
1: <laughs> to yeah. be
2: to have your feelings there as well. And uh, you know, in, in in Argentina, people they are they do express their emotions. They've got a you know a rich culture. They've got a revolutionary culture. When they commit to things, they're very serious about it. In Brazil, people will you know I would have people sort of decide they liked me very quickly. They would be talking to me. Then suddenly, they'd be take my hand. hold my hand and say uh, I like you and I want you to come and give a lecture in my city and (laughs) stay in my house and you know and uh, and I couldn't understand it if I couldn't understand it at first. How do they decide they like me in the space of, yeah. of such a short of such a short moment? But it's it's a it's a it's a feeling based kind of approach, and it's yeah. not and it's not. I don't mean to kind of put one on another level. I think they're all very important. I mean, the intellect's very important. The feelings are very important. But for me. Having grown up in the environment I did, it was a kind of soothing place to be. And I, I think I could expand myself to to want to feel my own emotions and bring them bring them to a, a constructive expression in a really healthy way and in a really warm way, uh, living in that society, living in South America. Um, yeah. Coming back to your question, though, what, what did I learn from people? Look, I really – people ask me, who do I – Really admire and who do I put on a pedestal? And I, for me, ordinary people are really heroes. And and ordinary mm, people who yep. who are who are honest with themselves and who are sincerely trying. You know, they yeah. they don't have all the leg ups. They don't have all the ways to make things to to get along easily. But they are so sincere in their effort. They're so yeah. truthful about it. There's so you know, for me that was incredibly humbling. Yeah. It Was yeah. incredibly humbling. I, I still remember. I was walking in the street in a very small town in India, a, a town called Jamalpur. It's mm-hmm. in a it's in a poor area, and of course I had my monk robe on, and I was walking, and a very old gentleman came up to me, and he said, uh, "Dada, you know, a brother." Uh, he touched my feet out of respect, and he said. Please come to my home. It would be my very great honor if you could come to my home. I, I'm really happy that you have come to, to India and where are you from and whereabouts are you working? And and so I, I went to his home which was the most simple simple abode. Just mm-hmm. had he had <laughs> his his bed and a little kitchen area and he just dusted everything off and gave me this the best place in his simple home and he he said uh, you know what can i offer you i don't have anything to offer you but he went away and then he brought a single flower he brought me a cup of water and a single flower mm-hmm. and uh, for me it was uh, one of the most touching uh, moments <laughs> uh, uh of that time that this man was probably 3 times my age at the time uh, yeah. but he he was the gratitude he had for me just to set foot in his house was so great. The sincerity and the, the devotion for, for him of this of his spiritual life, yeah. and uh, and this simple act to give me this flower that that was what he had. You know, he must have gotten yeah. it from his garden and, and a cup of water. And uh, those kind of moments, of course, you know, it's the moments that might stick in your mind. but in general, what I feel is you know, I was re- I'm really very, very humbled by people. I'm yeah. humbled by the sincerity, by the love, uh, and by the by the effort. And I think those are the, the for me, those are the key ingredients to get along. You know, yeah. we don't actually need a lot of learning. We don't need, of course, living in an industrialized the industrialized world, we do we've got so much stuff,
1: <laughs> we've
2: yeah. got so much information. But uh, if, we, if we just take it back to its very core, it's about that just that real sincerity, you know, mm-hmm. that effort, that purity of mind and heart. I think is an enormous thing, and and for me, that is really something that I I take from from people all over the world and everywhere I met, I went, I. I met people like that. People like that would somehow connect with me and I found that uh, an incredibly humbling and in- incredibly, yeah, a real honour, in fact, to to be teaching and to be, mm-hmm. you know, sharing this information with people all over the world and, and to see the sincerity with which people approach things, you know.
0: Yeah. So this is very touching, the story. And there's something magical I find when soul and soul connect and this is what i imagine when you're sharing your story it's your soul connecting with this 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 man's soul and that is very enriching oh my god this is really like touching me right now and life for me has become so much more beautiful regardless what the outside world sometimes can look like all these crazy politicians deciding whatever is that to witness and to be a part of somebody's transformation. For me, it's really, it's an honor for me to be chosen. And that's, that's I think that's the feeling that I get when I was listening to you sharing this moment with this, uh, this man in India. That's what I feel every time somebody comes to me to ask for my help. I always honor them because it's the efforts that they're, is It's is because they're deciding for themselves that they want to connect with themselves more. They may not use these words, but that's what I'm seeing. Whenever people come to get help, to get to know themselves, to open their heart, to be connecting like what you were experiencing as a monk, they went in. They couldn't probably facil- facilitate the process themselves or they probably need support from people like me or you or whoever, other people, basically. I just find this really so deeply touching because i just honor people who just show up really isn't it and and show up and open their hearts to connect and i think this intense connection is really enriching not only for the giver or the taker but both becomes givers and takers at the same time i feel
2: yes yes most certainly and 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 you know, the incredible rewards of, of working as a, as a teacher, as a healer. Mm. I think they're really, um, if, if working as a doctor, I still feel this yeah. you know, incredibly privileged position in the community that people are typically seeking my help when they're in a very vulnerable position, when they yeah. really need and they're coming in earnest. And and that's something I think um, that's a real blessing for this for this life <laughs> that it's been yeah. uh, for me yeah. that I've been able to do the kinds of things that I have, but um, but work together with people and and like you say that they're really enriching our lives and it's um, there's so much learning it's a, you know the learning is a two way street yeah and it happens you know all the time
0: yeah it's it's very interesting the world is vulnerable which I. I had to go through a lot in my life to understand what gift that is giving into my life because it was something that I used to fear. <laughs> Being vulnerable was not safe. Now it's it's a, it's a it's a part of my life which I cherish, but I also feel like when we are in that when we are in that place where we feel vulnerable, deep connections happens. And it really doesn't matter if you have money or not have money, education or not educations. It feels like it just soul connects in that place. I feel. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, a thought occurred to me uh, quite recently. And I thought, do I keep on seeking out these situations? Is this why I keep <laughs> on kind of getting into these struggles myself? Because I feel like there's such an essential kind of human aspect that that. That, that comes to the fore that gets expression in that area yeah. you know when, in those yeah. situations am I seeking them out uh, deliberately? Yeah unconsciously, I, unconsciously. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, th- I, I, I know that I I'm seeking for deep connections. That's pretty conscious for me and and I think when I was making this decision, a lot of things change inner, so the fear of connecting had to go, right? And the fear, like it's not safe to open myself up, because the, how can I have the connection if I cannot open my heart, basically? Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, this kind of thing. So a lot of things had to go and and to replace this. But I, for me, it was a it was a conscious decision. So I want to experience deeper connections uh, with other people, strangers or otherwise. And this requires practice, definitely, and letting go, the unlearning the breaking of concepts regularly so Jahan, what do you define or oh, how does success look like to you and how has that differ in all these years
2: look it's really my whole concept of success has really it's really grown mm. i think you know when i when i left high school and i I had this idea that I would um, be this really international kind of man of mystery,
1: <laughs> you know,
2: business business person, you know, uh, big big kind of organizer and um, and and rich <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and um, look, my idea about success, I think, has gone from being quite a material concept when I was young to being mm-hmm. something that's really closely uh, aligned to am I living a life that's that brings happiness to me and others? Am I bringing a life, am I leading a life that that I feel is really fulfilling in my heart? As well mm-hmm. as my mind, I really, I really thrive on, on the intellectual challenges and the, you know, the difficult situations, and, mm. and I think that's possibly why I've kind of gravitated into the, the, the very challenging environment I'm in presently. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but beyond that, you know, there's more to it than that, of, of course. You know, I, lo- I, love that, uh, that very stimulating kind of level of problem solving, if you will. But yes. I really do need to have the kind of baseline of the values are right for me. It feels like the right thing to do. It's a good thing to do in the world. It's a thing that I'm proud of. I'm proud to put my name to. I'm proud to be associated with because I feel not just today, but in another 30 years, in another 100 years, it will still be a good, people will still think that was a good thing to do. That was a right thing to do. For me, there is certainly that element of idealism in my concept of success, but essentially I think it's it's about the mind and the heart together. Yeah. Yes.
0: How does that impact all the other all parts of your so for example if we if you look into how you, your relationship is with your wife, with your children, with your parents or siblings or friends, colleagues, how does that impact these areas?
2: Yes. Look, I think um, one thing I remember from quite early on in my early 20s and, and part of the reason I, I really um, was motivated to, to, to build my skills outside of the you know, the management world was. Yeah. I felt like I want to be the same person who mm. kind of kisses my wife or my kids goodbye and goes to work. I don't want to transform myself into some kind of corporate beast
1: yeah. when
2: I get to the office. I want to be the same person. Look, I I work now as a professional and I and it working as a professional means being extremely contained <laughs> when things <laughs> are difficult, and um, and and not always wearing your heart on your sleeve. It's something else that I've, you know, learned in as I've matured. Yeah. But what I feel is that, as I said before, you know, the values that are behind that are all really consistent, and I'm happy with what I'm doing at home. I'm happy with what I'm doing at work, and I don't feel this kind of for example, every you know, I, I I have this incredible you know affection and and uh, sense of, of responsibility to my children,
1: yeah. to my
2: wife, to my to those that are close to me, and yeah. and everybody who I come across is in fact somebody's child. somebody's wife. Yeah. There's somebody's um, the, the loved one of somebody. They're a yeah. being you know. So am I treating all these people? Uh, With that respect and that that same kind of sentiment, I ask myself that question. And and quite often when I get, you know, very, very stressed or very, very under a lot of pressure or, you know, pressure of a volume of people, I still bring myself back to this point that Mm -hmm. am I treating people how I want to treat them? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, unfortunately, you know, the system is really pushing us away from that because, for example, in in a health setting, we're we're always asked to do, we're being asked to do more and more with less and less, and it ultimately comes to, you know, working extra few extra hours for free every day or doing something just to, to make sure you can do something at the standard you want to do it at. But, yeah, I think it's, I'm happy with that. I'm very happy with where I'm at at the moment because I feel... Um, there's several opportunities. I mean there's a few things which I, I consider really necessary for success. I don't think that that learning is a kind of end has an end point and I mm. don't think that I, I will what, what satisfies me today I might need to do something more in another five or ten years or 20 years time so I don't see this as a kind of uh, a final a final point. I think we really need that opportunity to keep expanding. Yes to keep expanding on many levels and uh, that you know, that stimulation and that opportunity is, is really important to me. And beyond that I think the base and the, the understanding that you know what I'm doing is a value a values driven exercise. And I think if it if it if it gets if I if I start getting away from those core values then I think that's when I really kind of the flags go up and I kinda of go, Well, I'm gonna make a change here pretty soon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> What would be your tips, as practical as you can get, (laughs) uh, for others to live from both their hearts and their minds?
2: Yes, a few tips. The first is, bring that idea of your emotional self, your intuitive self, your spiritual self. Bring that into your daily realm and give it a priority as big as all the other big priorities in your life i make it a priority in the same way you set goals well i'm gonna travel around the world i'm gonna buy myself something or whatever you might be doing mm-hmm. in the same way you set your external goals set some goals for this say i'm gonna set a goal that i want to be growing my inner life i want to be spending some time in meditation um, mm. So that's one thing is to, to set the goal and to acknowledge the importance of this area of life. Because typically what happens is we've got so many things to do. You know, we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to eat, we've got to exercise, we've got to work, we've got responsibilities to people, to families. So what gets cut, if you like, is this time of uh, a little bit of time to oneself, some time for mm-hmm. meditation, some time mm-hmm. for inner reflection. So I'm saying, mm-hmm. no, it's absolutely as important as all those things to bring this into your daily routine, to to make this a discipline. And in Mm -hmm. fact, all those other things are going to be enriched. Whatever time you put into this, you will get it back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You will get it back. Yeah. Okay. You might get it back in the form of you can focus more clearly, you can think more clearly and you're more efficient. You might get it back in the way of you actually start to connect with yourself and people around you more deeply, your relationships improve. You might get it back in the way that you get a new perspective and you can actually deepen everything that you're doing. So mm-hmm. they're just some examples, but I think it's well worth making making Intuitive practice, making meditation and self-reflection a daily priority, and hand in hand with that, as a second tip, is to create a discipline. We need to be very, very disciplined. And I'll give you an example a left over from my monk life, which I use. Let's say on the on the odd occasion, okay, I've meditated every day now since 1999, mm-hmm. and. If I should on some occasion something takes me, I get cold in the middle of the night, I have to go into work and I can't meditate before I go and I can't even sit down even for ten minutes, how I remind myself is I don't eat anything <laughs> until yeah. I've done my meditation. So I have myself, yeah. I have elevated the importance of my meditation. It is more important than eating, okay? I don't mean to foster some other kind of dysfunctional habit by saying, oh, you're not eating well (laughs) and all this kind of stuff. But but what I mean to say is for me it's a very, very important thing and I know it. I've realised the importance and I've created this discipline whereby every day I'm doing, even if it's 10 minutes, just set it aside, find the time to do it. (laughs) The third thing is to check in. And what I mean by check in is connect with people such as yourself, such people who are on this wavelength, people who are thinking along these lines, because not everyone is going to affirm your choices, but ultimately Mm. you have to be happy with those and you have to decide it for yourself and you will most certainly get the benefits of it, of any effort you put in, in the same way you do, you know, with physical exercise, with other kinds of things that you work at on a regular basis. Mm Mm-hmm. So those would be my main tips. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, I would say all the kinds of things that we already commonly know about and we've been talked about by a lot of, you know, people in this sphere, which are, you know, you know, the physical physical well being, mental well being, uh, are very important. Yes. Um, but my my final uh, tip would be, be very very gentle with yourself. Be compassionate to yourself. The idea I think we touched on a bit earlier about think about being your inner coach, but think about a coach not from, from the perspective of your inner coach, you know, with a whip, but more like the kind of uh, loving parent or guardian, auntie mm-hmm. or uncle, who's really looking after this child, which is you, your inner self, and saying, mm-hmm. I want to encourage you. I want to support you to grow.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't I want to love you unconditionally Mm -hmm. don't turn this whole sphere of uh, achieving something in the in the spiritual sphere into another thing that you 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 withhold affection for yourself or you you know Mm. you 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 make it make it into something else that you're going to judge yourself hard about that's not what it is it's about just just go with it it's it's completely integrated and you'll find that the more you go Mm
1: -hmm.
2: that's
0: absolutely true in my mind, it's becoming my own parent. To I'm the parent to my little younger self inside. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. So you, you take responsibility, and in the same time, you take responsibility to really help you know, this is about growth. So
1: mm-hmm. we know
2: what it takes to grow. In the same way, we'll nurture, we'll nurture a, 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 a small seedling. In the same way, we look after, a, a, you know, a puppy or a kitten. In the same way, we look after a small child. You know, their yeah. needs are great. Their needs are great, and we know that the the way to help them to flourish is to really just give them what they need, envelope them in what they need, and that's mm-hmm. what you to do to your on this on this level. On your, for your inner self, you want to just support. Yeah.
0: Because what I'm, this is what I what, what came up as we are speaking uh, right now, Jehan. I think the meditation, for example, in the morning, and all the not just the meditation, but also doing the the process for the body, right? To wake up and to warm up if you want <laughs> before the day with a lot of activities, with a lot of things that we put our body through is very important. So I think what I'm taking from it is to have a good ritual in the morning, whatever it is that suits people, but to have a good ritual in the morning, to connect with the body, to to nourish the body and the mind. Meditation is is one of them when you start to get connected to yourself and set the intentions out and throughout the day this is this is actually what is the most important is what we we were discussing right now is to not uh, to to ask our inner coach what how would you respond to things if you were a child how would you say what would you say to your you know baby self or not baby self like young self inside yeah. if
2: yeah this yeah. I mean, ex- exactly that. I mean, it definitely, you know, physical, being physically well is really important because yeah. if we've got a physical ailment, our mind is always getting cold to it. You know, if we're in physical pain, if we're in physical discomfort, the body is really the seat of the mind. And the, the, the mind is always driven to that discomfort, to mm. that limitation. So we, we want to be as physically well as we can, you know, and work with that. We've That's something we can work at. And there, thereafter, the mind. What kind of mental training can I do to help me to bring my mind into my own awareness, into my own control, into my own best ability to direct where I need it to go? Mm-hmm. You know, what is my mind potential and how can I achieve that potential mm. so yeah I, I think right on what you're saying
0: mm-hmm. and and what would you suggest anything at the end of the day before sleeping is there like um a thing to wrap up
2: this whole mind body thing yeah look I the mind is the mind is extremely sensitive. And, you know, the more you observe your mind, the more you'll see. my mind is very sensitive. It's sensitive to environment. It's sensitive to feelings. It's sensitive to all the thoughts that go on with it and the kind of thoughts that fed into it as well from outside. So if you think of that mind like a very, very sensitive instrument, then it needs to be fine-tuned regularly. And if you're able to just, spend that little bit of time to settle it, to fine-tune it in the way of meditation twice a day. And that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. And what I find is if I sit in meditation in the morning, it really makes a difference in my day. Yeah. But if I can sit in meditation in the morning and the evening, yeah. every each time I sit in meditation, it's actually easier for me if I do it more regularly because my mind can get back to that track much more easily if it hasn't gone too far away from it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah exactly. So, um, you know, I, 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 last night, for example, I, I meditated I meditate as soon as I woke up in the morning. And then the last thing I did before I went to bed, I would have liked to meditate a bit earlier, but I just couldn't do it. I was just too busy. So just before I went to bed, I just did some meditation. And then the next morning, this morning, I woke up and did meditation straight away again. And I felt like, you know what, my meditation was actually much easier because I meditated just before I went to bed. And my mind's kind of finding this rhythm. It's kind of finding this track um, more easily. I don't have a less effort to focus my mind, to bring it into this flow uh, because I've, I'm just sort of fine-tuning it more regularly and it's not the gaps aren't that big. So the more we can do, definitely. And then the same goes through the day. Even if you just have a couple of minutes, you're sitting on the bus or you're on the train or you've got a couple of minutes to yourself, even if you just take that opportunity there again, Mm. Just to recenter and refocus on that idea. Yeah. um, It makes a difference. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: One last question for you, Jehan. Why did you choose to say yes to my invitation?
2: Oh, look, first of all, as your listeners, I think, have already heard, our relationship stretches back quite some, year, quite some years. <laughs> decades. Decades, yeah, more, more than two decades, in fact. Yes. Uh, yeah, so we've been I, in I, touch I for a while, sort of been able to reconnect uh, along the way, and I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely excited about the work you are doing, the kinds of transitions thanks. you're making, and these topics for me, obviously right in my heart and I've been taken up with my medical work and I haven't actually spoken much about this in the last year or two and I thought well this is a fantastic opportunity for you and I to share and I think it it's um it's really just it's that in essence I think I I see it as a a great opportunity to to share with someone who I feel is on the same wavelength but also about the kind of topics that we're both very interested in.
0: And I'm very, very grateful. Very grateful for for everything and the time that you have put into this chats, discussions, reflections. And thank you for opening up yourself to so many people and telling your stories to everybody. I always honor people who are putting themselves out there because it's not easy. It's not always easy. The main thing I got from the discussion just now is the fact that to get to know ourselves in a deep level throughout our lives, we may need to reconstruct our inner world regularly. And life is an amazing journey that offers continuous opportunities to do so. Here's my message to you. As a life coach and a subconscious mind reprogrammer, I am here to support And hold the space for you to uplift your inner world, to heal your wounds, to let go your limiting beliefs and replace them with uplifting ones. If you are feeling called to do so, reach out. Reach out to me via astuti at upliftmylife.today. And in the meantime, stay inspired, take actions and see you in the next
1: episode.